Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Let's turn in our scripture then to Acts chapter 3. I think I made the mistake of, uh, of watching the video of last week's sermon. David didn't tell me that he was going to highlight the whole chapter, he, but he told me to preach on 11 uh, through um, 26, but he sort of uh, previewed it for you. I think I'm going in a little bit different direction, so he already talked about. Well, as you recall, Peter and John were going up into, as they were going up towards the gate, beautiful, um, the Holy Spirit gave them a prompting in their hearts to, um, to look at and to minister to the Holy Spirit was in, Peter didn't know, and so um, the silver and gold, have I not, have you ever sang that song? Silver and gold, <laughs> okay. Um, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Okay, children's sermon next next hour maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, walking and leap. Yeah, we got it. Anyway, so he w- gets up and he walks and they go in to pray. So they come back out from praying the afternoon prayers and that. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, and all the people were astonished and came running to him in place called in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this scripture or why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided not to let him go. Though he decided to let him go. You disowned him, the Holy One and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Now we are witnesses of this. And by faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, and was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, but this is how God fulfilled what he was, had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. So repent, then, um, and turn to God so that your sins may be, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago. For Moses said, the Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen. Now anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. You are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first, and to you, to bless you, God bless to us. Lord God, we, we just of our hearts, we'll be Lord our rock. Well, happy Father's Day. How many fathers do we have here today? God bless you guys. <laughs> Having 
been a father now for four years, it's been quite a challenge. It can be done. Right? It's remarkable, and it's, a, it's truly a blessing. I heard a story um, from Dr. John Trent, uh, an author of the book The Blessing. You remember that book? Anybody read The Blessing? Um, it's a great book about how important it is to, to, to affirm them. Well, a woman came up to him after he had spoke about this at a conference, and uh, she said, well, I've got a story about my son and his daughter that I want to tell you that, that perfectly illustrates what you've just been talking about. And so um, she said for several years, her son had taken their oldest daughter out uh, on a date uh, to uh, affirm and to love on and to care for his older daughter. Well, the two-year-old did not. Have, and so the time came, and so he took her out to a local fast food restaurant, and they had pancakes for breakfast. And as they were receiving the pancakes, he thought, right before prayer, I'm going. my wife and her had prayed for her and, and looked forward to having her in the family and for his fork, and he was, she wanted more. She wanted to hear more of how much she was loved and how much she was adored by her. Well, so he began to for his fork again. And that went on two or three. The father, of course, uh, went home with her and a few days later ran up to her mother and said, I'm really a special daughter, Mommy. Daddy told me so. To be loved and cherished and to be told so. Well, while no father is perfect and and some do uh, the love of God, salesman by day, and, and what a character he was from Brooklyn. Um, it's a long story, but I won't get it. <laughs> um, and blessed. So uh, God, our Heavenly Father, not only gave the Holy Spirit to live within the church, but he also gave us that we are loved, that we are chosen, that we are his how great a love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are, right? Well, last week's message was about Peter and John exercising back out of uh, the inner courts of the temple from prayer. A great, huge crowd was gathering. And um, Peter instantly recognized that there was an opportunity to not only be one who could affirm that God loves these and where the power came from. So when there's healings like this, here was a man that had been lame for 40 years since birth, and everybody knew him. Suddenly his, his ankles were, were strong and everything went right in his legs and his feet, and he stood up, and what did he do? He started jumping around and praising God and walking and leaping. That His legs were healed, but that he, who had never walked before, was walking and leaving. When that kind of thing happens, what happens? It's going to draw a crowd. People are going to go, whoa, this is amazing. What happened? And they're going to come running. They're going to ask questions. And so they were. Well, here, he understood that everybody might want to um, regard him and Peter, Peter and John as uh, miracle workers. And, and they had power or something, but... He immediately deflects that away and, and redirects there because this was a sign of one who was great, that Jesus had, and that there were a lot of broken people in the crowd who needed to hear that they too could be healed either. So this miracle was far more than a person being healed. It was a sign from God to get the attention of the crowd um, to hear the gospel. God's work on the day of Pentecost continued in this event 
as an example of the purpose of that power that came. God didn't just gift the Holy Spirit to make the people of the church, but to go into the world with tools to accomplish their mission. Well, signs point us in the right direction, and they identify places and give us warnings. And the church is called to glorify God by a function that points to Jesus. We have, if we have a, an authentic relationship with Jesus, we love people beyond what normal... We care for people beyond what most people do to care for others. We pray for people. We see God's work in our serving them, in our time spent with them, in our give to the Holy Spirit's function is the so when we are faithful servants empowered by the Holy Spirit God is revealed and so God gets the attention one day they said Mike you know we've been noticed okay (laughs) time for the gospel (laughs) I just waited for that moment I see they recognize a remarkable time would come to Christ during that time you know and it was so easy to bring people to Jesus and um, movement of the Holy and they started coming to my church in Malibu. Malibu so active. And when I started seminary, that's a work of the Lord. So Peter realized that he had the opportunity to proclaim the gospel as the crowd assembled uh, in Solomon's colonnade. Now, that was a double row of marble columns along the left side of the temple. And it was probably an area that Jesus preached in as well. And so this crowd came running. This story about this didn't prepare a sermon, a direction just started preaching and teaching out of the wealth of knowledge. And, exp- and of course, his, the wealth and knowledge that he had had grown up as a Hebrew boy. And knowing the Old Testament, memorizing the Holy Spirit, brought to his memory, recall all of the things. The first thing he wanted to say is that we didn't have the power to do this. It's not by our godliness, by anything that we have done, but it is faith in Jesus and to his glory, Peter, having been given that gift of healing, was now being given other gifts by the Holy Spirit. Gifts of wisdom, knowledge, discernment, evangelism. Whatever he needed to speak to this crowd. And then the Holy Spirit was working between his words that were being heard, spoken and heard and in the hearts of the people to their point of the gospel. So the first thing, is he starts to give them a backdrop of where they have gone wrong. And he does this um, by recognizing Jesus Christ as the Messiah in the midst of four accusations um, toward, that they had uh, toward them for you know, killing. And so amid these accusations, Peter uses five holy names or phrases of God from the Old Testament connecting, and it's a deep Christological understanding empowered by the Holy Spirit so that Jewish readers and Jewish listeners would know for sure that Jesus is indeed the Christ. Now, I really like this because it shows us how the Holy Spirit helped Peter to preach in the moment. Peter didn't go to the temple prepared, as I said, with a sermon in hand. Now, Jesus taught this, that the Spirit would do it in John 14, verse 6 where he said, but the advocate, the parakletos, um, the the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've experienced that when I preach. There are times when I'll be preaching and I've got a prepared sermon, but God takes me in a different direction. 
say. Or I'll be ministering to somebody in the hospital and I'll be getting ready to pray and I, I, I had a loss for words as to exactly what to pray. So the first reference was a common phrase identifying the God of Israel, specifically the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. So right there, he's identifying Jesus as the source of the power, the miracle that was taking place. In other words, the God of Israel, whom we worship alone, was incarnate in Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. This was a direct assertion that the second name contained within these same verses was in was the phrase his servant Jesus this was a direct connection to Isaiah 52 verse 13 and following all the way through chapter 53 uh, the suffering servant passage that directly um, describes and prophesies who the Messiah is and what he will be doing and how he will um, uh, do his work in this world. So verse 52, 13, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly... So these words throughout that, the rest of 52 and, the, and all of 53 directly describe the mission of Christ to suffer and to die for the sins of his people, but also to be raised to new life. The third and fourth names that that, uh, Peter uses in the context of his first and second and third accusations of their sin to kill and disown Jesus as the Messiah can be found in 13 through 14, where he says, you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one. So holy one and righteous one. Those accusations, in the context of the bad news, Peter wanted to highlight this bad news so people would see. He uses three more names. Holy One was an Old Testament reference, of course, as the name of God describing his majesty and his glory and purity and completeness and otherness. Remember, they couldn't utter the word Yahweh, uh, which was the name of God, Going back to the I am of Moses was so holy that they would not utter it. And so they had all of these other ones. The holy one. This was God that you killed. The righteous one is another Old Testament reference to describe God's nature. God loves the world, but he also is righteous. God cannot let sin and evil have the last word. There will be an accountability. God's righteousness, all that is true and right, will prevail. Next, Peter states in verse 15, his last accusation, and uses the fifth messianic name. He says, you killed the author. Christ is the agent of creation, the divine logos, the word of life. And through God, in Christ, all things were made and given life. All these accusations highlight the reality of sin and brokenness which through his death on the cross. Peter was clearly led by the Holy Spirit to form a, a Christology at the very heart of God's chosen people, right there in the Hebrew temple. And John would later write in the, his beautiful first verses of his gospel, his refined, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was 
with God and the Word was God. Through Him all things were made. In Him was life and that life was the life. All these accusations and Christological references led lead up to Peter's reasons for why this beggar was healed. With the bad news clearly developed, which I'm sure that the Holy Spirit was speaking to every heart in the room, convicting them of you know whatever sin that he wanted to put his finger on. The good news, Peter starts with, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses. Because Peter and John had witnessed the resurrection, their faith in Jesus was unwavering. Jesus lived in them, and his power to heal broken lives continued through the presence of the Holy Spirit, who gives and sustains um, that faith. Peter and John had faith in the name of Jesus, meaning that they were agents of God's grace in Christ, because they acted out of an authentic relationship with the living Lord. They didn't exercise a disconnected faith. They acted out of their ongoing relationship with the risen Jesus present in them. The secret of the lame man's healing was faith, that is, the authority and power of Jesus. So Peter exercised faith in his Lord and Savior, whose name was synonymous with the presence. Often Christians, uh, including myself, will end our prayers, and that's a good thing. At best, though, this gives the right perspective in our prayers that Jesus is sovereign and in charge, uh, and it's about his will and not ours. At worst, it is regarded as a formula to get God to answer our prayers according to what we want. But let me emphasize that to pray in the name of Jesus, who guides us in what to pray, acknowledging his authority, So in the case of the lame beggar, Jesus prompted Peter and John as they were going by uh, the man whom they passed on numerous occasions. And then the Spirit gave them instructions to offer the man what he, not what he wanted, not what he wanted. That's what it means to have a Spirit-filled relationship, praying in the name of Jesus. So when I've been asked to pray for people, I'll take a few moments to listen for what God wants me to pray for them. Sometimes it's not what those people are really asking for as much as what God wants to give them. Boy, you really got to be close. That's why it's so important to have daily prayer time, daily devotions. And boy, when God's according to one, there's all kinds of distractions. <laughs> well, having laid out the backdrop of, uh, of their sinfulness, both complicit and implicit, and teaching about the true source of healing through faith in Christ, Peter then gives his fellow Israelites the good news about grace and grace and mercy are expressed in the statement, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But Peter reminds his fellow Israelites that all of it was prophesied in the Old Testament and fulfilled in Christ. And although they did not know what they were doing, God knew what he was doing. So these prophecies were enumerated by Peter in verses 21 through 25. And I don't have time to unpack all of those prophecies and the connections there. Neither the people's ignorance nor God's predictions acquitted them, however. So Peter gives them more good news with instructions to receive forgiveness and salvation. He called them in verses 19 through 20 to repent, turn to God, blessings. Well, the first one was, your sins may be wiped out. Description of how 
our sins are completely separated from us as far as the scripture says, east is from west. Um, we're washed clean the blood of Christ, wiped out. God has erased. It is finished. What was true then is true today. Not only acknowledgement of our sin, but repentance, turning away from what we were doing that was disobedient to God, completely turning in the opposite direction, turning away from renouncing evil. It is so that we can, in our lifetime, the state of our iniquity is forgiven for all eternity through Christ's shed blood on the cross. Now that's good news. Secondly, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. In other words, when God wipes away our sin, he replaces it with an assurance of God's eternal love and grace. You ever come in from, I don't know, a hot summer day that gardening work or you've been working hard digging post holes or something, I don't know, um, running, uh, jogging, exercising, and you are uh, experiencing an extreme thirst, glass of water, and you drink it down, and how refreshing in the South. Well, when God forgives our sins, and we know it, the guilt that goes along with that, the shame that goes along with that is taken away as well. And we can walk in newness of life, and it's so, and it's ongoing. Because we're human beings, and we continue to mess up. And God, while our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, and to cleanse us of times of refreshing. I think Peter was also thinking of the living water that you'll never thirst with you in relationship. Well, the third blessing is that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. This is the blessing of the hope that we have in Christ for his return. Jesus taught that he would come again, and of that day there would be ushered in a new heaven and a new earth, that sin would be no more, that uh, evil would be cast out. The blessing keeps us in the proper perspective that in the end, God wins. We know the end of the story. And to keep that perspective, that long view, helps us to... Now, we're to live each day as if Christ were to come tomorrow, right? <laughs> but we're also to be prepared that he may tarry. And boy, is he tarried. <laughs> Purely up to God's will when he comes. And nobody knows. You know, it'd be like a thief in the night. But we know, and what a glorious day. No more any of these... Horrible thing, counted all joy, as James writes, when we encounter various trials because we know that the test was well, a result of Peter's that a couple of thousand more people were added to the already 3,000 people that had come to Christ on the day of Pentecost. And today there are many people that are trapped in situations that need the faith of the church to help them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we have that good news. We have the message that will release the captives, that will uh, help them to receive the transformation. And he didn't need money. We must keep in mind so that wherever we go, whatever we do, we do And people will recognize that. And they'll ask, what can I do so clearly? They don't need a program or the right kind of music or a class for their kids. They don't need to discuss doctrinal issues or debate theological ideas as much as they need Jesus, although all of those things are good. 
So when people encounter the church wherever we are in the world, they ought to be able to find Jesus. Jesus taught, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? It's okay to ask God to affirm us. Is there a part of you that needs this kind of affirmation from your Heavenly Father today through His Son just to listen for the Holy Spirit's promptings and nudges um, to take a risk of faith? You spell faith, R-I-S-K. There's no risk in it. You can exercise your faith by being involved in the outreach ministries of this congregation. I hear you got a VBS starting tomorrow, is that right? How many of you are involved in that? Uh-huh. Well, I think a few more volunteers are needed. <laughs> Boy, pray for that. Get involved. There's nothing more important. That's our new calling. Well, so you can exercise your faith by being involved. Uh, the world needs to keep the perspective of that all that we do. So I encourage you to come next week to hear the rest of the story because the story doesn't stop at the end of chapter 3. It continues through chapter 4. And chapter 4 uh, because of this healing, because of this preaching, there's a lot of controversy that erupts and people... <laughs> Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org.